Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. Over 50,000 people have listened to Mark's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you take your business to the next level. I think today more than ever, with the proliferation of products and services and the scarcity of time, people just don't have a lot of time spending thinking about and focusing on what the future might look like and what you need to think about within your business. What I try to do is I take different topics, topics that I'm really hearing out there in the marketplace as I'm working with and advising some of the remodeling leaders in this industry. Some of these topics are very tactical and some of them are very high level and very focused on just simply deeper thought about things. Special thanks to those that support this podcast series, NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, wonderful place to have a community of other remodelers, as well as the professional remodeler group that also has some leading information that really can help you take your business to the next level. This is also produced by Surefire Local, which is a platform for digital marketing information and activities as well. Today, I want to talk about a topic that, uh, you know, is really, I think, very timely. Timely meaning we've just moved into 2020. Uh, 2020 is not only a new year, but it is a new decade. When I woke up that morning into January 1st, one of the things as I laid there thinking about it, this is really a new decade. And as you kind of breathe in a new decade as opposed to a new year, it really has a lot of different kind of meanings and legs to it and how you think about it. I've actually shared some of this insights with some of the people that I work with, and it really resonated for them to start to look out much, much further out than just the year. It's looking out a 10-year period of time. So what I thought I'd do in talking about this subject is I actually broke out kind of 10 different ways or 10 different kind of thoughts as it relates to looking at something on a 10-year cycle, a decade, versus looking at something back for just uh, or forward for just this one year. And I'm going to just run through these, and, and I encourage you to not only think about how you can create this kind of uh, paradox between short and long term, but also maybe even use it as an exercise when you're working with your team to really discuss what the future might look like. The first is how you take inventory. Well, when I take inventory of a year, I go back and I look at obviously what was working, what wasn't. I do a SWOT analysis. I look at the gross profit. I look at the sales. I look at the lead flow. I look at the team. I look at the processes and the system. I pretty much look back to sort of that season, so to speak, uh, in the game. When I look at it in terms of a 10-year cycle, you know, think back to 2009 or the end of 2009, that's when we just came out of this awful crash, awful recession that was happening, and we started this upward climb, and it's been an upward climb year after year after year. And I think a lot of people don't remember kind of what happened at the crash, 
but it was really only about 10 years ago. And I think when you reflect back on more of a decade kind of scale, it forces you, I think, when you look to the future to think about, okay, what was the impact of that? And I think not have such a short memory of what's going on, because I think the future could have a few headwinds as well. The second is, as you think about a year looking forward, it's more about what you want to do, what you want to do in terms of projects, what you want to do in terms of new uh, products, initiatives, technologies, who's that new team member that you might, what you want to do in your business over the course of the next 12 months. However, when you think about, I think, a 10-year cycle or a decade, you really have to go deeper and you have to say, why? Why am I doing this? You know, what's is the cause? What is my real motivation? Because I'm investing a tremendous amount of my sweat and my energy into this. And so when I think about it as a whole decade out there, it's really other questions, I think, that are deeper than just the what questions. Number three is when you think about (laughs) one year, it's very much of a kind of a medium term. It's very much of a one-year kind of plan, so to speak. It's very much looking at what's working, what's not. So you're really putting together, I think, a plan where you think about, I think, the longer term, it's how you're spending time, really. What are some of those bigger trends that are happening? You know, what are some of the trends you're seeing in terms of client demographics? What are some of the bigger, longer term trends in terms of the technologies that are out there, in terms of this generational kind of changes that we're going to see or have seen? certainly in terms of your team. Number four on my list is, you know, on a shorter term, a one year, I think you can look at your projects and your products very specifically. You can look at the blend, the percentage of kitchens, bathrooms, additions, roofing, those kind of things that you do. And you can say, okay, what is it that I want to do based on where I am right now in the coming year? For the most part, it's really adjustments and tweaks you're making over the course of the year, it's not wholesale change. Where when you think about it on a decade level, many of the things that you're doing right now may in fact be, quite frankly, kind of irrelevant. When we look at back, for example, the last decade, there were many companies literally 10 years ago that had 60, 70% of their projects were focused on additions, whereas because of some of the different communities and the teardowns that are happening and new construction that's happening, now it's only about 20 or 30% or that. So it's much more a longer term kind of element when it comes to the project levels. And, you know, you need to start to be a little bit more innovative. You need to think about, okay, what are those longer term trends, some of those client kind of dynamics that are happening out there that's going to influence your business? Number five on the list is when you look at a one year you, you can be relatively clear, certainly not as clear as next month or next week based on backlogs, but you can kind of be pretty clear in terms of what's going to happen this year. You know, we do have some, I think, potential uh, question marks towards the end of the year with the elections and certainly maybe a little bit of softening that's being projected. But for the most part, you can look at your backlog, you can look in your lead flow, you can look at your marketing efforts, you can have a pretty clear plan. It's almost like if you're driving on a long, long road and way ahead of you is the horizon, we're only about 10 miles away from the the, uh, mountains, let's say. And those mountains, you can really tell not only that the tree cover that's there, but even the type of trees that are there. Whereas when you look at a decade, 
you're looking at it way off into the distance, way off into the distance, almost like you're standing on a seashore, standing in the sand at the beach, and you're looking out and you see a little speck in the distance. Well, that's more of a decade out. Well, it really forces you, I think, to have kind of a level of curiosity and fuzziness about what the future looks like that's really different than certainly a one-year perspective. Number six on my list, when you think about the one year, it's very much about leads. It's very much about how many leads you need to get, the type of leads, the quality of the leads that you need to get. But when you think about it more as a 10-year or a decade kind of scale, it's really much more, much more about your reputation. It's much more about your brand. It's not necessarily about the specific leads that you need to get for the next decade. It's really positioning the company so that you become a magnet for the potential clients coming in and the level of growth that you want. Number seven on my list was thinking about kind of the team. You know, the one-year plan, you're looking at the performers. You're looking at what they're able to perform now. The 10-year plan, you're looking at the future. You're looking at future all-stars. You're looking at potential. You're looking at growth. You're looking at training that potentially might unfold year after year after year. And really, that becomes what's important. I think this is analogous. We see this a lot with uh, Major League Baseball today. You know, I think those teams that really know that they've got a shot, let's say, at the playoffs in the World Series, they're spending the extra money, making sure they have the performers on the team, where those teams that don't think they have a shot, they're looking at a little bit more long-term, investing more into the minor league players, and really setting up for the future. Number eight on my list is more in the planning process itself. You know, when you're thinking about one year, you have a plan, you have a budget, you have very specific initiatives and goals that you want to try to accomplish in that year, and you're doing it in such a way, quarter by quarter, so that you can have measurability. When you think about it more as a decade, it's much more about a direction. You know, are you heading north or are you heading south? You know, are you going to do more of something or less of something? You know, when you think about it much more longer term as a decade, it's much more directional as opposed to a specific plan. And you've got to be relatively light of foot, but you've got to kind of keep your ear to the ground when you're thinking about things in terms of a decade and really longer term. Number nine on my list is in, when you're thinking about it in one year, you think about the decisions you're making as an expense. You know, you have a budget for it and you have an expense and you're making a decision. Whereas you think about it more as a decade, you need to think about it more as investments. What are those investments I'm making for the future? Whether those investments are people, whether they're relationships with strategic alliances, or they're investments in products and technology. Those are investments that you're hoping at least, you know, might have a longer term return. It might be a three-year, it might be five-year might be seven or eight year return. But once you start thinking in decades, not just in terms of years, you look at it more as an investment that you want a long-term return. And number 10 on my list really focuses you looking in the mirror. And you looking in the mirror, you're one year, you need to be, be a good leader. You need to sharpen your acts. You need to have good kind of communication skills. You need to certainly inspire and grow, and you need to be the right leader within your company. Whereas I think your 10-year plan or your decade thinking is you need to think about, 
you know, how you want to rewire yourself. You know, what would you look like five, seven, 10 years from now? Some of you may be thinking about transitions and transitions in terms of retiring or transferring the ball to other people. You know, who will fire you potentially move into your seat? And when you think in terms of decades, not just years, those issues become important. So I guess the bottom line, and I appreciate everybody kind of bearing with me on this long, short-term kind of thinking process here, is that, you know, this is a new decade. And it is a time, I think, to really look at it, spend some time thinking about it a little bit differently. So coming up on our podcast here, we've got a great thought leader interview, thought leader interview that'll help you even take, I think, some of these things that we're talking about and making them a little bit more relevant for your business. So again, I want to thank my friends at Nary Professional Remodeler, as well as Surefire, for helping and supporting us on this podcast series. So stay tuned to our next segment. Take care. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery. But just as much, I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to Spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Remodeling Industry, NERI, is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that'll be able to help you with your business. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Richardson, and uh, this is the segment of Remodeling Mastery that uh, I certainly enjoy, uh, and I hope that many of our listeners do as well. It's when I interview a thought leader, a thinker, someone that's an expert, or certainly a guru in the marketplace that can help you take your home improvement remodeling business to the next level, and my guest today is Joaquin Arazzo. He is the president and founder of Marketing Wing. They are a marketing consulting group that helps, I think, businesses on the marketing side of the equation of the business. And certainly it's gotten a little bit complicated, I think, more than ever. I've known Joaquin for many years. He actually original route uh, out, of, out of school is more in the floral industry. And then certainly as the head of marketing for my organization, he was really able to help us grow from, you know, relatively modest-sized company to a very large company. So welcome, Joaquin, and I uh, appreciate you, uh, you joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Mark. Great. So let's, let's just go ahead and dive into our topic. Uh, you know, what we want to talk about today is certainly marketing, and I think if there is anything that is kind of dramatically changed in home improvement. I think it, it is, in fact, in that how do we go about getting the phone to ring? How has marketing changed? But, you know, the root of so many of these changes really starts, I think, with, 
you know, the end user themselves. So, you know, share with us some of your insights in terms of how the consumer has changed, say, versus 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, great question. Yeah, the consumer has gotten more sophisticated and they, they, they want to buy and they don't want to be sold. So they spend more time researching. And today, consumers can jump on Google and look for trends in the home improvement industry. How much should a project cost? How long should it take? What is the return on investment? So they'll spend a lot of time just gathering their thoughts with that. Then they'll go deeper and start looking at local alternatives for their home improvement project. And they'll research companies. They'll visit your website. They'll spend a lot of time reading reviews. What do others say about your organization and their experience? They'll watch videos that you may have published and look at your engagement on social media. Uh, so it's a more sophisticated consumer with a lot of information at their fingertips. You know, I remember recently uh, listening to a, uh, a Google uh, presenter talking about how the consumers puts more value today in online reviews than they do personal referrals. And this is certainly an industry that's been built off of, you know, personal referrals and, you know, what does your family and friends and neighbors think? You know, I find that interesting, though, in that, you know, that someone would put more value in a review than they would yeah. necessarily a recommendation from a friend. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly so, do. And, any and, any comments on that? Yeah, consumers also don't expect companies to have all five-star reviews. Um, so I want to add that. Um, we are smart enough to know that not every company is perfect, and we also know that a lot of other consumers tend to be persnickety. Um, so, so we'll read the reviews and perhaps stop at a one-star review and read it and quickly decide whether that person was hard to please and treat it accordingly. So don't, if you don't have five-star reviews, don't panic. People aren't expecting that. But certainly I think you want to have reviews that are as high as possible because yes, below you want to have, point, yeah, 4.6, uh, 4.8, yeah. Excellent. So let's talk about marketing and how marketing strategies have changed as a result of this, you know, a little bit more of the high-tech world we live in. But, uh, you know, needless to say, what, what's, what, what, does this translate in terms of how, uh, you know, how marketing strategies with companies have changed? Yeah, when I think of marketing strategies, I usually look at them in three buckets, um, client acquisition, client retention, and branding. And the, the big effect on, on those strategies today has been technology. On the client acquisition side, there are so many digital marketing resources um, to, to make sure that you show up on page one with all the, you know, the right keywords, even to make sure that you show up when consumers are using um, AI devices like Alexa or Google Home. Um, there's um, also online chat, texting, lead nurturing. There's so much technology that can be used and integrated into client acquisition, client retention, and branding. So uh, when it comes to a lot of the other traditional sources that we've, you know, that we've used for marketing and certainly uh, uh, branding and getting the phone to ring, the, 
you know, the print ads, the television commercials, all of those kind of things, you know, is, is, is your opinion that that's kind of obsolete at this point or, or, or do no, you need to no, think about yeah. making sure that you have the right blend? Yeah, you need to make sure that you have the right blend. I, I'm still a big believer in traditional marketing sources. Uh, just recognize that from a um, consumer standpoint. You know, you started with the interview with, um, you know, how has the consumer changed? But let's say you're in the market for a new, I don't know, a new Mac. So you have a discussion with your wife on a new mattress, and then you start doing Google searches. You start and stop and read reviews. But because you're in the market for a mattress, when you see a te- when you're watching television, listening to the radio, or browsing a print publication, anything with a mattress is now top of mind because you're in the middle of making that decision. So the marketing mix is still very relevant, and you need to make sure that you keep your marketing messages across all media tactics. Excellent. So you know, say you're a one million, two million, three million dollar company maybe even a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger, and you don't necessarily have the marketing expertise in-house, do you recommend that those smaller type of companies bring in kind of a marketing person? And if so, how do you go about starting that prospect? I mean, who do you look for? What is the skill set that you might want to do? Or are you better off kind of using an outside source? Um, if you're, I, I think it boils, I, I'd like to answer that question based on, you know, where do you see yourself? Where's the company going year over year in terms of growth? So if you're looking for, you know, modest growth, let's say, um, looking at 2020, increasing top line sales, maybe five to 10%, I think bringing somebody local in house, whether that be full time or part time is probably the best solution. Somebody that is, um, knows the market, understands the geography of it, understands the competitive environment, and knows um, is, is at, least, at least recognizes the competitors and how your company is different and better than those local alternatives. If you're looking at more aggressive growth, 20 50%, 80% year over year, or looking at a more, you know, what do I need to do to double my business in the next three to five years, I think you're going to want to look at a higher level of sophistication. So that may mean outsourcing to somebody that has experience in growing companies and knows what it takes to scale at that level. Um, So two different scenarios, but really based on what are you looking at in terms of growth. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, you're out there, you touch a lot of different remodelers, obviously generate a lot of different ideas and strategies for different companies to help them be successful. Uh, What are some of the things that you're seeing today as either, you know, kind of hot ideas or good directions or good things to consider doing? Um, I would say storytelling is probably one of the most important things that you can do. I think in 2019, Storytelling is marketing. So, and, and people like, we like consuming stories. In fact, if you're at a cocktail party and somebody in the middle of the conversation says, let me tell you a story, our antennas kind of go up um, because we, we immediately engage. But tell the story of your company. Who are you? Why are you so passionate about what you do and how you do it? 
How did you build this team? So what is your story? What is the story of the brand? What does it stand for? What do you care about? And then beyond that, tell stories about your projects. What is the transformation? Here's the problem the client had. Here's the solutions that we came up with, and here are the results. So if you can take that and multiply that by 6, 12, 24 different stories, people can relate to that. This goes all the way back to the reviews. Reviews are actually little mini stories about people's experience. So instead of relying on the third-party platform to have those reviews, you can have that within your own marketing or on your website in the form of case studies and stories on your project transformation. So storytelling is huge. Um, Excellent. Another one that's often overlooked is public relations. So the, the typical PR, and this goes back to the traditional media that you were talking about, Mark. If you can get a story published in a magazine, newspaper, a radio station or television station does an interview, that really, really goes a long way. So I encourage you to, you know, going back to storytelling, the human interest story of how you solved the problem and made people's lives better, which is what we do in the home improvement industry, just tell those stories over and over again. Consumers love it, and they can relate to them. So, Joaquin, let's look at the flip side of this, and that is, you know, you see a lot of things. You see a lot of mistakes just as much as you see a lot of opportunities. What are two or three of those fairly common mistakes that you think people make when it comes to marketing? Um, one is uh, no marketing plan and no marketing calendar. Um, so, you know, as you, as you go into 2020, um, you know, you should have a marketing budget, a marketing plan that is designed to get the phone to ring in terms of client acquisition, but there should also be a plan for client retention as well as branding overall. Uh, and you should also a calendar. You should, at any given point in time, what marketing pieces are hitting the market that month, that quarter, that you know year uh, during a period of time. So you can prepare accordingly and always have the phone ringing or forms completed coming through your uh, inbox. Um, so that's a big mistake that I see. Another big mistake I see is is um, no social media or lack of social media, or not a very good social media presence. And I know it takes time and energy, but, you know, people buy from people, and social media is an opportunity for you to be real and engage consumers on a one-to-one basis. So that's, social media is a platform that takes marketing from a monologue to a dialogue, so kind of a two-way conversation. So that's another big mistake I see. And if I had to pick a third mistake, I would say it would be the fear of dropping what isn't working. Uh, And I see this a lot, is, you know, remodeling and home improvement companies afraid to stop doing the home show because they've been doing it for the last 15 years. And if they stop doing it, what are their competitors going to say? You know what? Who cares what the competitors say? When you look at your numbers and you're not seeing the return on investment, stop doing it. If you've been running print ads and you're not seeing the return, maybe you need to adjust and fine-tune, but if it still didn't work, then drop it. And the cool part of when you, when you have that, that freedom of dropping something that isn't working, now you have marketing funds from you know, previously allocated for your marketing budget that you can explore and do something new and fresh and exciting to get the phone to ring. 
So those would Excellent. probably be the top three mistakes that I tend to see on a pretty consistent basis. Well, I want to thank uh, Joaquin Narazzo with the Marketing Link for joining us today. I think it's uh, uh, probably one of the more important elements that's out there, and that is, you know, uh, what are you going to do on the marketing side of your equation? As I talk about the, uh, you know, as the softening of the market, I strongly recommend, you know, buying yourself a little bit of insurance policy by putting more time and energy and dollars into the marketing side of your equation. So uh, this has been a very important topic, and thank you, uh, Joaquin, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's been great. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. If you liked what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available on all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.